Well, uh, today I've titled my message, The Father Loves You, and then we're going through the book of Galatians, and I've picked up the line in verse 9, so let's not get tired of doing good. Uh, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. Uh, and yet the premise that I want to speak on today is uh, we do get tired and uh, we always need to be filled with the love of God, the Father's love first. It's out of receiving that we can give. And it's important that we don't give out of emptiness, that we constantly are receiving from God and that we, uh, one way or another, are connecting with God uh, to receive. And then at the same time, let's not get tired of doing things which we know are the right things to do, which are, are good. And uh, yesterday we had uh, the Timlin race. It's a 5K race in town, but it's, it's a big race. I mean, there's like 1,800 people in the, in the main race. And, uh, and then they have this big family uh, event. And I'm going to try my uh, handy-dandy phone again. Let's see if this thing, this thing works or not. Uh, Give me a second, uh, and by next week, I'll be an expert at this thing. <laughs> Look at that. So there's Lily uh, painting faces. Guess who that is? Sarah, our guest appearance, her first, uh, her first appearance, and she ends up being an expert face painter. And then you can see Carla in the back there, you know, and Mary Ellen doing a good job. And uh, there's all our tents, and people come by, and, you know, it's just a fun day. I mean, it's people are all in a festive mood, and uh, they just enjoy coming out, and we p paint faces, and Liz does a great job of uh, having a team, and we've just done this year in and year out, you know, and I know people often ask me, uh, so, you know, how does this make sense from a church? Why would a church do this? Uh, why do you paint faces? Do people come to church because of that? Uh, how's your evangelism program working? And uh, likewise, you know, we clean the trail on Milford, and most people don't even see us cleaning the trail. We just clean out part of the trail, and uh, often we'll just hand out water at uh, sporting events like today. And, and people are like, well, how does that help the church grow? And uh, my answer is it doesn't, uh, or it might. But the motive is to keep on doing the right thing, to love your neighbor, just do good, do the right thing. You know, uh, at the Timlin race, I mean, Middlesex Savings Bank's there, Price Chopper's there. I mean, all these other these tents all over the show. I'm sure people aren't rushing out of Price Chopper to go buy groceries because they had some tent there. But there is a presence of saying, you know, we're part of the community. And what's a huge benefit to us is people start seeing real people that are connected to, to this church. They say, oh, so you go, and that's what they look like. Oh, you're at youth at your place, and you go, you know. So we get a lot of mileage, actually, uh, of just loving our town, loving our neighbors, being there, and, um, you know, running the race and having fun running the race. Uh, you know, I, I figured out um, not only did I burn a lot of calories during the race, but I figured out a way that I could burn 2,000 calories without exerting any sort of physical exercise. Uh, let me show you this photo. Look at that, just 2,000 burnt calories just like that. So it's Father's Day today, you know, all dads just don't burn calories that way. It's not a good deal. All right, this is what I want for you today. I want you to be filled with the Father's love, and I don't want you to ever get tired of doing what is good. Uh, let's just ask God to, to be here and, and help us uh, as we rearrange our lives according to His will. 
Uh, Father, we just uh, give you this time, and uh, we just invite your presence. And Lord, I pray that you would fill every single person here today with your love. Lord, we are hungry uh, to interact with you and to experience your love in practical ways in our lives. So Lord, I just welcome your presence, encourage us, speak to our hearts, fill us today. In your name, Jesus, amen. Uh, I'm going to read a section out of uh, Galatians as we uh, conclude this um, uh, series that we've done out of the book of Galatians. And of course, uh, we're at the last chapter of Galatians, chapter 6 in the book, and uh, I want to just uh, read a, a chunk of a scripture to you, which is really actually hard to read because each line is just a great point. And uh, so I'll read this section without, I'll restrain myself and not make any comments, and then I'll come back and uh, we'll pick up a few of the, the points that uh, the Apostle Paul is making in this last chapter of Galatians. But I'm picking it up here on Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we each if we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So here's the verse. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone especially those in the family of faith. Especially those in the family of faith. Now, I, I, as I said, I, I want to highlight a couple of, a few verses here. Uh, we don't have time to do all of them. But verse 2 uh, is particularly interesting to me. It says, Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You know, we all have the ability... Uh, to help each other out. Uh, we can all do some, there's certain things we can do. It doesn't matter how old you are, how poor you are. Uh, we all have the ability to make a significant difference in other people's lives. And I want us to encourage, to be encouraged to continually be looking for opportunities where we can make a difference in other people's lives. You know, all of us can pray for somebody. And being prayed for is a big deal. Uh, we can all encourage somebody. And being encouraged is a big deal. You know, it would be a wonderful thing if on a regular Sunday basis, 
when you came to church, uh, you received at least one encouragement from somebody. I mean, it would be wonderful if you received a lot of encouragement from a lot of different people, just like as regular part of church. You know, if you were coming to church and you think, who can I encourage today? Who can I say a good word to? Who could I lift up? That would be an awesome, godly attitude, the heart of God the Father, just as a father would like to always encourage their kid. If we could encourage each other and break a curse that we get from this world, which is criticism, where people are constantly analyzing, like, what's not perfect? And then they pick you out on it. Like, you know, I've got somebody to tell you. And, and you know, we should, we should be overwhelmed with compliments or encouragement rather than uh, be depressed with a few, you know, caustic comments that seem to be pervasive. Now, on the other hand, there's plenty of practical ways uh, that we can help. It's not just prayer. It's not just, uh, um, you know, listening. Well, let me bring out two others. Prayer is a big deal. Listening to somebody is a, is a big deal. And in a busy society, the art of listening is, is getting lost because people are in such a hurry that people, when they get together, they just want to tell. They want to tell you because they only got a few minutes. I've got to tell you this, blah, 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 blah. And there is zero time and space to listen. And so now this is becoming like a really uh, needed skill, uh, and it's a form of love. If we can listen to people, I mean, just think of your own kids. If you were just like hanging out to them, and all you could ever do to them is just tell them, don't do this, don't do that, play there, don't play there, pick up your head. I mean, the kids want to be listened to. They just want to be heard. They want to be able to hang out and, and not like have a constant, you know, flow of instructions. And in a similar way, we can listen to people. We can pray for people. We can listen to people. Another thing which is in short supply in a busy time is showing up. I mean, when people are hurting, I mean, the classic would be a hospital case. Somebody's in hospital, and you think, oh, it's so awkward. I, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do in a hospital setting. I don't, I don't feel comfortable in a hospital. What am I going to say to the person? I don't know. Yes, it is un uncomfortable if you're not familiar with the hospital setting. But showing up, just like be there. You don't actually have to do a whole lot. You just show up. I'm so sorry for your condition. You don't have to give them a lecture on all the possible things they could have done to prevent it, and now they can be healed up, and your you know, 10 suggestions on better food to eat that will help them. You no, know, just like show up. Like, uh, I'm so sorry for the, the condition you're in. I, I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert. I, I just, I'm just here to just support you. We can do a lot of things that don't cost us money, uh, and that's really meaningful. On the other hand, we can do practical things. We can give people a ride and you know, we can help them out if they need some, some money, and, and we can do lots of practical things. But I'm telling you that it's the non-practical things that uh, have a lot of weight, uh, and being there, showing up, listening to people, praying for people, it carries, it, it carries a lot of weight. It's a, there's a lot of value uh, in this uh, idea. And uh, it's the Father's heart. God the Father delights not in, you know, how wonderfully we perform. He delights in us as people. He delights in you. I mean, He knows you. He knows all your foibles. He knows the things you do awesomely well at. He, he created you. God likes you as you are. And we should take the time to just allow God's presence uh, to be with us, for God to encourage us, you know, that we can take the time just to be there, just to say, okay, God, I'm just giving you some space. Just like, 
I want to be here with you. I want to pray. I just want to hang out. And uh, it's a discipline that we need to um, learn about in a very busy world. It, it really is. It's a lost art. So let me just uh, pick up on another verse. And uh, I've got to be careful on this one. I'm, my inclination is to want to make a joke of it, so let me do that, and then everybody will chew me out afterwards. But I'm sh- this is the joke. Joke. So I don't get chewed out afterwards. I'm sure this is not the verse you have on your refrigerator that you've all memorized. Verse 6. Those who are ter- taught the Word of God should provide for their teachers. Now, that's just such a great word. You guys should have... The- it's a joke. Okay. <laughs> but there is something serious about this in the sense of uh, God, you know, came up with this idea of church. And uh, I am super thankful to many of you who are really just faithful supporters of us as a church. And you are taking this verse uh, literally, and I I thank you for that, particularly those of you that tithe to this church. And, uh, you know, the largest chunk of our budget at this church goes towards uh, putting that back into practice where people can teach uh, my salary, the salaries of all our staff, and uh, particularly children's ministry, where we are just trying to uh, equip families, our kids, and invest back into the church. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, it's a big deal. And I do want to uh, thank you for that. And I uh, actually want to just give you some really interesting updates um, regarding this. Uh, Aureli has served faithfully in children's ministry for five years, and her term is up. Okay, so Aureli is, like I said, faithfully served in children's ministry for five years, and her term is up. Uh, There comes a time in the season where, you know, you need to complete a cycle, and if you extend it too long, it it might be like a, I don't know, like a a butterfly that wants to be hatched, and if you just stay in the cocoon, you're just like, okay, you you know, that phase is over. You're like, you're going to move on to the next phase, and so uh, Aureli's not going anywhere. She's going to stay here at church, but I am looking for a new children's director. In fact, we're looking for three positions at the church simultaneously. Uh, we're going to be looking for a children's director to replace Aureli, full-time position. And uh, we're also going to be looking for the position I mentioned before, a millennial gatherer, somebody, you know, like 28 years old that can gather folks in, their, in, their, in that same category. And I'm looking for a part-time administrative person. And I want to fill those positions in that order, because, uh, you know, uh, it's easier to find administration than what it is to find a children's director. So uh, I'm doing it. Now, if you know somebody, uh, if you've got any ideas, uh, Carla DeBosch is helping me uh, do this. And there'll be, this week on our webpage, we'll have all the details of the uh, ministry descriptions uh, posted, and you can look at it. But uh, speak to Carla if you've got any people in mind. We're going to be recruiting uh, nationally. Um, on the Vineyard USA webpage and uh, other means. But I wanted to give you that heads up. Uh, And in in a similar way, I also want to give you a a real quick uh, update uh, on another area where you guys have been uh, faithful, you've given, and that's on our facility. Uh, The news I've got is no news. Uh, We've been looking 
you know, for places in Hopkinton. We've been looking for places in Milford. Uh, and uh, the report is there's just absolutely nothing to look at. Uh, I mean, we've got, like, professional uh, real estate folks, commercial real estate guys, and they just, like, there's nothing. Uh, so, and it's not even like it's close. It's not like, okay, you know, if we had another 100,000, we'd be in the ball game, Or if we had another million, we, we still wouldn't be in the ball game. They're just like, we're not even close. There's nothing available to look at. Now, that means we've got to be happy with the space we got. And this, this space, you know, praise God, is functional. It's got huge limitations, but it's, it's functional. So we'll just continue to wait on God and see where he directs and leads. Uh, but, you know, there might be one of you here that this applies to. And, and I say this in all sincerity. Uh, when a church is like a youngish church like us, uh, it's pretty tough to raise money. And we raised $250,000 plus for the building. But when you start buying buildings, they don't run in the hundreds of thousands. They run in the millions, you know. And so we, we're going to work with what we got. We're not going to overextend ourselves, and we'd be grateful for what we got. But mostly, often, not, I don't know how mostly, but often uh, people will give money to church as an inheritance when they die. And if that's your category, you know, if you there... Think about maybe if you've got money that you'd like to, you know, give as an inheritance to the church. That's often the way the church is able to make significant steps forward, uh, you know, with buildings. And, of course, it's a long-term thing. You can't, you know, it's not, not waiting, not asking anybody to die, you know, hang in there. <laughs> just long-term planning. You know, just give it to the Lord. All right, so uh, we've spoken about sharing each other's burdens, verse 2. We've talked about uh, the idea of providing for our teachers. But uh, I also want to talk about verse 7, which is uh, harvesting what you plant. And I want to encourage us to constantly be planting in love. We want to be investing in other people's lives. And we want to be just like thinking of ways of how we can be loving to others. Uh, practical ways, uh, personal ways, whatever God uh, gives you, uh, you know, just invest. Think about others. You know, uh, how am I going to be supportive of what others might need? And, uh, you know, this is such interesting language here because it's so, it's so strong. Verse 7, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. And then it says, you will always... Harvest what you plant. I mean, there's very few uh, like promises in the Bible that are that like definitive. You will always harvest what you plant. And of course, that means that we should be like planting, planting in love, you know, planting, investing in others. And uh, later on, uh, you, will, you will harvest. You can't expect some, you shouldn't anticipate uh, a different outcome to what it is that you've been sowing. I mean, it's such a wonderful word picture. You don't, you know, plant grass seeds and expect an apple tree to come up. You, you, you like plant grass seeds, and if you keep watering the thing, maybe you'll get grass seeds will come up. I mean, you know, you just keep at it. You just keep going until hopefully that thing flourishes. But you can't invest in one area and expect a whole different outcome. And God is saying, you can't mock God, you know, just like Take this, take this seriously. Take this literally. Invest in the things of God. Invest in the things that please God, and you will reap the benefit of that later on. That's, that's God's promise to us. And it's a wonderful promise because 
I don't know, I got pretty frustrated trying to grow grass. I mean, last fall I tried to grow a whole bunch of grass and we had crazy weather. I don't know if you remember, it was like a drought. So, of course, I came up hurting. So this season I'm like, I'm all over it. And I, mean, I was waiting, like February, I was there with my grass seed. And we had that warm patch and I, where I had grass seed all out over it. And what do you know, it snowed like a few days later. That was the end of that. Then I tried again in March and had the same results. And tried again in, oh, I just, it didn't work. That's the bottom line. But, you know, you just got to stay at it. You've got to find the right opportunity. But, uh, you know, God likes to invest in us. God loves us. God has a lot of tolerance for us, but He keeps at it. And uh, this is Father's Day. And I want to encourage the fathers here that still have kids at home, just invest in your kids. Uh, love on your kids. Make time for your kids. Pray for your kids. Spend the time that you need for your kids. It's really, it's really a, a, I know when you're in it, it seems like forever. It's like when you've got a kid in nursery, it's like, man, if I can only get, you know, when they go to preschool and have some space, I'll get some sleep back. I, it feels like eternity when you're in those phases. And then you get to the stage where many of us are in, and the kids are like out of home already. It's like, man, it did go fast. You heard everybody saying that, and now all of a sudden you're experiencing it goes fast. Uh, and in a similar way, I just in case you've forgotten, if your dad's still alive, uh, contact your dad. But, you know, from a church standpoint, God is really interested in families, and He's really interested in sort of the ideal scenario for families where kids are just raised in a healthy family with, with both parents, you know, present and active and involved in the kids' lives. That's plan A. Uh, plan B, and we have plenty of statistics. In fact, I hate giving bad statistics, but I want to give you some bad statistics because there's also some encouragement here. But plan B is, you know, a dad's absent, and it could be for bad reasons, and it could be for uncontrollable reasons, early death. But the statistics are bleak if you're raised in a fatherless home. Uh, look at some of these st stats. I don't know if they're big enough to read, but I'll read them to you. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. Now, that's five times the average. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fa fatherless homes. 90%. That's 32 times the average. 85% of all children who, grow, who show behavioral disorders are from fatherless homes, 20 times the average. 71% of all high school dropouts are from fatherless homes, 9 times the average. Now, there are some reasons for these poor uh, statistics. Uh, one would be, you know, the change in our social culture where there's very little stigma to having uh, you know, children out of wedlock. There used to be an era when, uh, you know, you really were highly encouraged to have kids uh, while you were married, which would be a, a God's design of how families should operate. Uh, and then along with that has been no-fault divorce. So, you know, divorce is pretty prevalent, and there's been a high um, societal sort of acceptance of divorce where sort of the council would go this way, you know, if you're unhappy, it's all about you, you know, just get divorced, uh, you know, and the person giving the advice comes across as being so helpful, and uh, the person receiving advice is like, that's just what I needed to hear. But very seldom do people give advice that says, what about your kids? Is getting divorced the best thing for your kids? 
Or is the only advice that people give is, what's going to make you happy? And if you're feeling some tension at home, just get divorced. Uh, it's all about you. It's all about, you know, the kids, are oh, they'll bounce back. No, uh, we know that that's not a happy uh, statistic. And then, of course, we also have a very unusually high rate of mass incarceration in America, which is just pulling uh, fathers out of the homes. And again, the, the flip side is let's never stop doing good. You know, Bernadette does a great job around December when we look for fathers that are incarcerated and we try and give gifts to their kids in the local areas. You know, we just try and, wait, we try and find ways as a church uh, to counter this. But that's the bad news. But let me just say this. If you're a kid whose father is absent or dead and or you're in the, a kid that's been uh, raised in a family where, you know, your parents are divorced, it's not like all over. It's not ideal. It's not the, the plan A, but it's not like your life's now doomed to be a failure. It really isn't. Uh, just look at the presidents of America. Barack Obama uh, was born in 1961 to a teenage mom and a Kenyan father who was already secretly married to another woman. He had almost no contact with his father throughout his childhood. I think he did okay. You know, Bill Clinton, his father died before he was born, I think in a car accident. I mean, he did okay, he made it there. George Washington, uh, his father died when he was 10. Uh, he did okay. In fact, the majority of the U.S. presidents in the first 50 years of our country were, fa were fatherless. The majority were fatherless. And not only that, uh, there are a lot of famous people throughout history who were raised fatherless. What about these philosophers? Confucius, Plato, Aristotle, Muhammad. I mean, your life is not doomed if you're fatherless. And what about athletes? There's some guy, I don't know exactly who he is, Le LeBron something, James, apparently like in Cleveland, he's on the news all the time at the moment. I, I don't know, we don't hear anything about it here in Boston, but there's something happening out there in Cleveland, and uh, Le LeBron James is like, really? And then we've got something happening down in Rio in the summer, uh, and there's a guy that's got like the most amount of Olympic medals in the history of the Olympics, some swimmer guy, Phelps. Well, Michael Phelps and LeBron James, no father, absentee father, just no... They seem to have done pretty well. I mean, you know, okay, so it's, it's not like game over just because you don't have an ideal uh, scenario. But it is important to strive for what's ideal. It's important uh, as dads to be there for our, ch for our kids, emotionally to be there, time-wise to be there, to invest in our kids. It is important, and we, uh, and we do want to do that. I want to finish up with uh, three points here about uh, healthy living that consists of both receiving the love of God and giving, just to repeat uh, this idea. Uh, but the, and this is, if you want to fill in the blanks on your insert, uh, follow along with me. The first thing is that we do need to be filled with the love of God. Now, in this book of Galatians that we've been going through, there's a verse in Galatians which is unlike any other verse in the Bible relating to how personal God's love is for us. And the verse allows us to call God the Father, Daddy. 
like a really personal daddy. So on the one hand, you've got God who's awesome and he's majestic and he's holy and he's up there and, and you can't offend him and, and he's, you, you, know, you just can't be like uh, imperfect in his presence and, and you just, there's an awe about God. And yet simultaneously, Galatians is telling us, but that same God is also the God that we call Daddy. And I, I just want to read this verse to you. Uh, it's Galatians 4, 6. And because we are His children, those of us that have accepted Christ, we've asked Jesus into our life, we've become children of God. God has sent His Spirit, sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. We receive Christ. We've asked His Holy Spirit to live within us. And He's prompted us to call out Abba, Father. Abba, Father. That's the most like, intimate way that we can relate to God. Daddy. I mean, this is just like a, you know, it's an incredible sense when we get into God's presence that simultaneously God can be holy and awesome, but on the other hand, He can be present and daddy, and we can pour out our sorrows to Him and our complaints to Him, and, you know, it's like all our boo-boos to Him and, you know, our anger to Him and, and our desires, and we can say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you for your love, and God is saying, I want to fill you with my love. That's why the Apostle Paul has given us this language, Abba, Father, so that we can approach God. If we are His children, we have the right as logical you know, children, our children coming to a dad and a loving dad saying, of course I want to love you. And that's the way, it's the pictures that God has given us. When we scrape our knee, when we've had some really rough times in our lives, when there's some you know, tough decisions that you've had to make, we can go to God, and God will give us comfort. And it's really in, important that we do go to God, and it really is important that we do get comfort from God, because it's predicated on receiving from God so that we will be made whole and be lifted up and be restored so that we can operate out of wholeness. And then out of wholeness, we can then help others and serve others. And if we try and do it all out of just like serving and giving and giving and giving and your battery's flat, man, it just ends up being resentment. And so it's important that we again and again recognize where we're at and say, God, I need you. I need you to fill me up again. I need your love again. I need to apologize again. Lord, again and again, I need you to empower me. I need you to give me wisdom. I need you to equip me. I need you to love me. I need you to forgive me. We need to again and again and again go to God. And, you know, here at church, we'll give space afterwards. That might be you. I might be speaking to you. We just, I'm just so dry. You know, fine. Receive prayer. Allow others to pray for you or just hang in your chair. But you need to be filled up. You need to somehow or other access God. It's important. It's not okay to just consistently uh, live your life out of uh, emptiness. Now, the other part that I want to make point two here is this whole idea about harvesting what you plant. And the point I want to make here is there's a delay. Uh, Galatians 6, 7 says this, Do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. But what's not saying, and it's not being said, but it's implied, is there's a delay between when you sow and when you reap. 
And so we need to have a lot of patience where we just keep doing the right thing, even if we don't see the results, we keep doing the right thing, and then we just give it to God and let God do what only God can do. I mean, it's sort of like, you know, on the building example, not that it's the greatest thing. We do the right thing. We do what we think we need to do. And then we give it to God and say, God, only you can do what you can do. It's your timing. Your timing's perfect. And we have a habit of like really butchering God's timing because we don't like delay. We don't like waiting on God. It's like torture for us. It's like, God, we pray. We want you to respond today, tomorrow. I know we messed up for the last 20 years in our life, but today I want you to fix it. And tomorrow I want everything to be perfect. And it's like, okay, I just like give God a bit of space and, and uh, let God sort out the mess in, in your lives. And yeah, that whole idea of just sowing, you know, delay. You know, financially, we know this to be true too where if you can get compound interest working for you, the idea there, and, and you know, this economics is changing, by the way, because now you've got government bonds which are negative. But traditional wisdom, other than like a new sort of reality where we're in, still applies. In America, we still have a positive growth rate. You can still go to the bank and you might get a paltry like 2%, but you're not getting charged 2% for having your money in the account, which is what's happening elsewhere in the world, uh, by the way. But here's the basic idea. It, you know, you just like slowly, with knowing there's going to be a big delay, you put in a little bit of money on a regular basis, and having compound interest work in your favor, uh, you really get ahead of the game. And that's God's plan. But most of us like, just don't like that plan. It's just like, it's too slow, it's in, we're impatient, and we like our plan. It's like, I've got a credit card, I can go and charge that thing, and I don't know how I'm going to pay it off. And then you get the other side of rapid interest charges, like 30%, I mean, like, you know, robbery. And that compounds in the opposite direction. And like, the poor get poorer in a rush, and the rich slowly, just like compound interest, go in the right direction. Now, Keep sowing in the right direction. Don't invest in bad things. You know, I'm using credit card as a literal example, but it's investing in people too. Just slowly, the right things, again and again. It's a compound effect. It's a long-term effect. There's going to be a delay. Expect a delay. God is not in a big hurry. We are. If we keep doing the right things, God's way, eventually it'll work out God's way, and we will uh, reap the reward. God is promising us. It's, it's like a really strong promise. And that's the third point I want to make is this. Who can you love and help in the church and outside of the church? Because the end of this uh, statement is really uh, interesting. It says here in verse 10, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Now, that verse is just a wonderfully loaded verse with a lot of great encouragement to us. I just love the way it starts. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, there's a sense of we are looking for an opportunity. It's not like we are you know, waiting for somebody to uh, come with their need and then we're like, oh, you know, you again. No, there's a sense of like, God, use me. God, the right opportunity. There's, an opportun there's a sense in us, there's an anticipation. 
God, show me. I want to love others. Show me the right person. Show me the right way. Show me the right place. God, lead me in this. Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Everyone. You know, those are people that love God. Those are people that don't love God. Those are people that live according to God's ways. And those are people that hate God and live totally different to God's way. God is saying, love them. Just love them. You know, if you become an extreme radical Christian, you'll, you'll just like love everybody. It's really an extreme thing. Just become an extreme Christian. Just like love everybody. It, it, you really won't be hated by too many people. Just love. Uh, but it does encourage us to, especially those in the, in the family of faith. You know, church first, God first. But that shouldn't be the end point. We should have so much overflow that, uh, that we can do this that we have space in our lives. So let me just conclude this way as a prayer uh, for us today uh, and ask God to fill us and to give us a heart for where He wants us to be focused and invest and, and to give us people that we can practically help and serve, whatever small way that is or whatever big way that is. God, we just thank you that you are a loving Father and that you love the whole world, which we can't comprehend. But Lord, what's important to us is that you love us and that you love each person here today. And Lord, that you, in fact, made us. You designed us. You know everything about us. You know our thoughts. And so, Lord, uh, in one way, we've got nothing to hide because you know us. And yet, Lord, we come to you and we say we desperately need to experience your love. That you are for us and not against us. That again and again, you want to love us. You want to direct us. You want to bless us. Help us, Lord, to live in such a way that lends itself to being loved and blessed by you. And help us, Lord, to resist the ways of the world, the ways of living which are offensive to you. Help us, Lord. Fill us again with your love. Fill us with your spirit. Give us your guidance. Give us your direction. Forgive us again and again. Lord, we thank you that we can come to you. And Lord, I just pray for practical ways of how we can help and serve others, that each one of us would be known as people that are, are givers, that are servers, that love others, that think about others. We lift it up. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Now, next week, we're going to be starting a series on prayer, and uh, that would help us to figure out how to connect with God so that we can hear Him. So why don't you stand and let's uh, worship, and we'll have the worship team come on up. Um, thanks, Brian.